Unlike other major sports where the individual athletes have a significant amount of bargaining leverage in contract negotiations, the power in MMA resides almost entirely with the promotions themselves. They tie you down to a certain amount of contests for a set amount of money, can often control who, when and where you fight and retain the ability to terminate that contract seemingly whenever they want and for whatever reason. We often see many fighters let go because they're competitively not up to par, but in rare cases elite fighters are surprisingly dismissed even in the prime of their careers or for completely unique reasons that end up backfiring as they go on to have greater successes elsewhere. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and look out, the boys are back in town. That's right, Jocko Fuel is back with an absolute banger of a deal, as you can now get 15% off all Jocko Fuel products from the 20th to the 30th of September. And using the exclusive code MMA On Point, get 10% off to stack for a total of 25% off. So with your free shipping over $150, stock up on your fuel over at originmain.com slash jocko fuel for the ultimate natural energy boost. Anyways, more on that later. For now, though, here are 10 fighters the UFC shouldn't have fired. Number 10, Miguel Torres. You'd be pretty disappointed if you sent what intended to be a harmless tweet, only for it to lead to you losing your job. Well, that's exactly what happened to former WEC bantamweight champion Miguel Torres. He had just lost a competitive decision to Demetrius Johnson and a couple of weeks later had tweeted out a pretty insensitive comment about sexual assault, saying if a particular type of van was called a surprise van, more women wouldn't mind going for rides in them. Everyone likes surprises. Yeah, pretty distasteful. Miguel claimed this was a quote from a TV show, but nevertheless, Dana White was pissed and fired Torres immediately. Following a public statement where he deeply apologized, Dana retracted his decision and Torres was eligible to fight for the UFC. Although after he was stopped by Michael McDonald in his very next bout at UFC 145, Torres was released yet again, this time for good. Just a few years before this, he was deemed as one of the best bantamweights of all time with an outstanding 37-1 record and would only lose to fellow top talents in the UFC. Someone of Torres' reputation definitely deserved the chance to get back in the winning column in the sport's biggest stage. Number 9. Matt Riddle Putting together long win streaks is often the recipe for success in MMA, but this didn't save UFC welterweight Matt Riddle from being shown the exit door, all due to an affliction with a certain green herb. Riddle had been with the UFC his entire career, debuting in the tough season 7 in his early 20s, scoring a KO that Dana White called the biggest in show's history to that point. After bouncing between victory and defeat in actual UFC competition, Riddle would win four straight in just over a year. However, two of these victories would be overturned to no contests as he tested positive for marijuana. Despite being a great prospect, this was enough for the UFC to send Riddle packing. In defense of himself, Riddle stated he had a medical marijuana license, and the fact the UFC allowed people to fight under TRT exemptions but not weed had him outraged. Ultimately, Matt would only fight one more time in MMA before transitioning to professional wrestling and is now signed to the WWE where he has proven himself as quite the star in the developmental promotion NXT, showing just what the UFC may have missed out on. Number 8. Jake Shields 
A key reason MMA is so enthralling is the various stylistic options fighters have at their disposal. But Jake Shields' wrestling-heavy, win-at-all-costs approach was never one to get the fans jumping out of their seats, and this partly led to his departure from the UFC in 2014. Exiting or not though, Shields was an elite competitor, winning titles in Elite XC and Strike Force before joining the UFC on a 14-fight win streak. Here he challenged the 170-pound title against Georges St. Pierre, defeated future title holder Tyron Woodley, and outgrappled Damian Meyer. He did admittedly fail a drug test in the UFC, but this was a year and a half removed from his release, so played little to no factor in the actual release. Shields was let go after his four-fight unbeaten streak was ended by Hector Lombard, despite being the sixth-ranked welterweight heading into the fight. According to Dana White, Shields was let go due to his declining performances, high fight purse and lack of excitement, causing him to be quote-unquote, just another guy. It's true he may have never gone on to win gold in the UFC, but Shields would have been a great litmus test for the many up-and-comers at 170 pounds. Number 7. Fabricio Verdum with already half a dozen pride fights to his name, Fabricio Verdum jumped straight into the deep end of the UFC's heavyweight division in 2007, losing on the scorecards to former champion Andre Arlovsky. The Brazilian would bounce back with TKO wins over Gabriel Gonzaga and Brandon Vera, but when he was stopped at the hands of a debuting Junior Dos Santos, Verdum was cut from the promotion, despite allegedly having four fights left on his contract. A big part of that decision was the then-unknown JDS being a big underdog, but Verdum was likely just a win or two from a title shot, and letting him go after suffering one knockout in the ever-unpredictable heavyweight division seemed particularly harsh. Verdum took himself to strike force, winning three on the bounce, securing the monumental submission to end Fedor Emelianenko's incredible 28-fight unbeaten streak. It was a huge moment for strike force, and the UFC must have been kicking themselves knowing that was their guy not so long ago. When Verdum entered the octagon in 2012, he went unbeaten all the way to the UFC title, showing just what the UFC missed out on for his near four-year absence from the promotion. Number 6. Nick Diaz A young Nick Diaz started his first UFC tenure with two stoppage victories, including that domination of Robbie Lawler way back in 2004. He would, however, be briefly released following three straight decision losses to Diego Sanchez, Joe Riggs, and Sean Shirk, but returned as a short-notice replacement and picked up two first-round finishes. Following this, the UFC didn't offer a strong enough contract to Diaz, who'd end up fighting under a host of promotions in the near future. He'd begin with a single fight in Pride, dismantling Takanori Gomi, although this was ruled to a no contest when it was discovered Diaz was all but certainly high from marijuana while competing. After unsuccessfully challenging for the Elite XC title, Diaz picked up a few more victories and made his way to Strike Force, where he'd become the inaugural welterweight champion with three title defenses and a 10-fight winning streak to his name. Of course, he would return to the UFC when Zufa acquired Strike Force, but perhaps Nick's best years were spent away from the UFC, who could have potentially developed Nick into an even bigger star than he remains today had they offered him a lucrative enough contract to ensure his allegiance to the UFC promotion. However, with Nick making a career return this Saturday at UFC 266, perhaps we have yet to see even his full potential as an MMA superstar. Number 5. Chris Cyborg 
It's well documented the UFC and Chris Cyborg never had the greatest working relationship. That's expected when your boss says you look like Vandalay Silva in a dress. Walking up the stairs, jacked up on steroids, beyond belief, and look like Vanderlei Silva in a dress and heels. But when Cyborg finally signed with the promotion in 2016 and showed her devastating skill set on the big stage, an entire division was created essentially just for her. Cyborg would rule 145 pounds once she got her hand on the title and would prove her importance for the company by headlining pay-per-views in her next two bouts. With a lack of challenges, one of the most high-profile matchups of 2018 between herself and bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes was set up. Despite leading to the emphatic end of her 21-fight unbeaten streak, the fight had tremendous hype, and an exciting rematch could have been on the cards had the UFC not declined the opportunity to renew Cyborg's contract. The details on why are a little he said, she said, with Dana explaining the former champion was looking for easy fights, while Cyborg herself spoke to the promotion bullying her. Regardless, the UFC not only let go one of the most exciting and entertaining fighters to their direct competitors Bellator but left themselves with the task of managing a severely underdeveloped division. Number 4. Josh Barnett Failing drug tests for back-to-back -back fights is definitely a valid reason to be released from your contract in MMA, but I bet the UFC wished they'd taken an alternative route with Josh Barnett back in 2002. In his fourth UFC fight, Barnett TKO'd Bobby Hoffman to extend his record to 12-1, but tested hot for banned substances. Instead of being issued a suspension, Barnett was given a measly warning by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. It was 2001, after all. Josh clearly didn't take the warning to heart, testing positive yet again for anabolic steroids after winning the UFC's heavyweight title against Randy Couture. Hmm. In response, Barnett was understandably stripped of his new title and fired from the promotion. Japanese MMA was simultaneously exploding and Barnett bolstered the star-studded roster of Pride FC. All the while, the UFC's heavyweight division became rather stagnant, with Tim Sylvia, who coincidentally was suspended after popping for steroids the following year, embarking on a pretty unenticing trilogy of title fights with Andre Arlovsky. I'm sure the UFC wished they'd have held on to Barnett by tying him down with the suspension like they did Sylvia, instead of outright releasing one of the best heavyweights of that era. Number 3. Rory McDonald if you ask MMA fans what their favorite fight of all time is, you'll certainly hear Rory McDonald's bloody war with Robbie Lawler at UFC 189 being brought up. That's why it's baffling the UFC would let one half of that fight disappear to Bellator just over a year later. Had Rory survived the fifth round against Lawler, he would have been crowned the welterweight champion, and although he ended up losing his following bout to Stephen Thompson, no one doubts that McDonald is one of the top welterweights alive. That fight with Wonderboy was the last on his contract, and when the UFC, for some unknown reason, didn't match the offer Bellator put on the table, Rory departed the sport's biggest stage. Soon after, McDonald had Bellator gold around his waist, and with the help of some MMA math, they could comfortably make the argument they had the best active welterweight on the planet, given the fact Rory had beaten the new UFC champion Tyron Woodley previously. Rory also highlighted to former training partner Sage Northcutt that free agency was worth testing, and was a small part of the reason behind Juan Gegard Musasi leaving the UFC. 
Speaking of which, number two, Gegard Mousasi. Not many fighters can claim to have competed in as many major promotions as Gegard Mousasi. He's performed for Pride, M1, Dream, Strikeforce, and the UFC, where many thought his career would end. Therefore, it was a major surprise when he left the UFC in 2017, riding no less than a five-fight win streak, four of which were by stoppage, might I add. When his contract was up, in swooped Bellator, who offered Musasi a better deal. But let's not get it twisted. The UFC undoubtedly had the power to keep Gegard if they truly wanted. Instead, their fourth-ranked fan-favorite middleweight was fighting for their closest competitors. It wasn't just additional money that pried Musasi away. The availability to bounce between divisions in Bellator was more accessible, and fights with other former UFC fighters, such as the aforementioned Rory McDonald and Ryan Bader, were a appealing. The UFC lost a beloved fighter on the trajectory of potentially becoming their champion, and Bellator continued their acquisition of high-level UFC fighters and likely gained a significant amount of fans when Gegard went on to successfully become their middleweight champion. Number 1. Demetrius Johnson Although his fights divide the fan base in terms of excitement, Demetrius Johnson is no questions asked, one of the best to ever do it. And with the UFC priding themselves on having the greatest talents in the sport, willingly letting someone of this caliber go isn't the greatest business move. So why did they not keep DJ? Well, after his monumental title reign came to an end in 2018, Johnson felt a sense of freedom without the belt, and as he never felt the promotion marketed him correctly, DJ voiced his interest in fighting elsewhere. Initially, the UFC weren't keen until it was suggested by Johnson's management that Ben Askren could be involved in an unprecedented trade with 1FC. Shortly after, a deal was made and Demetrius was packing his bags for Asia, depriving us of a much-needed trilogy with Henry Cejudo. The UFC gained an unknown quantity who could sell a fight in Askren and lost one of their best-ever talents in DJ. The trade, however, would backfire somewhat, as Askren would lose two of his three UFC fights convincingly, while DJ would help grow 1FC and become their flyweight Grand Prix champion, ultimately losing in a title unification bout with champion Adriano Moraes. Yes, you could argue Jorge Masvidal wouldn't have become a star without Askren, but giving away one of the best fighters of all time just isn't a sustainable approach. I just want to give a big, big shout out to the official fuel of MMA on point, Jocko Fuel. And exciting times are ahead as the boys are back with an absolute banger of a deal as you can now get 15% off all Jocko Fuel products from the 20th to the 30th of September. And using the exclusive code MMA on point, get 10% off to stack for a total of 25% off. So if you're a diehard for their all natural energy drinks like I am, get your free shipping over $150. Stock up your fuel over at originmain.com slash Jocko dash fuel for the ultimate natural energy boost and go on living your best life kicking some ass. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. A shout out to today's video editor, Thomas Walsh. You can follow him on Instagram at Big Beat Visual. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.